beautiful wife, you've met their, their delightful children, um, and so we've been blessed by them over the past several months since they moved to California. And uh, Jeremiah currently serves as the associate pastor of family ministries at Water of Life Community Church in Azusa. So we are blessed to have him deliver a message to us today. So let's welcome Jeremiah Zaretsky. I'm going to switch things up a little bit. I, if that's okay, maybe this will be the last time I speak. So that's all right. <laughs> I got nothing to lose, but uh, Shabbat Shalom. Boy, I was just telling Hannah, it's like this is very weird actually participating in the service on this end and not on that end. I'm like, oh, we do this? Oh, yeah, right. Oh. Sometimes familiarity uh, kind of gets you, gets you stuck in your, in your rut, right, what you're used to. But it's an honor to be able to share with you this morning, and uh, yeah, just so grateful that Rabbi Joshua asked me to speak. I guess I was the bottom of the barrel since there was no one else. No, I know, I'm not. Like, well, this person was gone, and this person. Um, but uh, it's, it's always a delight to be able to share God's word. Um, both Han and I grew up in uh, Jewish-believing homes, uh, I grew up in Toronto. Any friend, friendly Canadians in the house? No? Okay. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Wonderful. So uh, I grew up in Toronto uh, with my younger brother and my sister. Uh, both my parents were the first ones in their Jewish families to believe in Yeshua. And, uh, you know, we just, it was wonderful as a second generation Jewish believer, right? We, uh, we, we celebrate all the, the feasts that God gave to our, uh, our people, Israel. Uh, we, as a kid, we celebrated all the things that celebrated Yeshua's life. So it was like the best of both worlds. And um, in high school, I was the only Jewish kid who believed in Yeshua. Uh, there are a lot of Jewish kids in my high school. Toronto, if you don't know, it's like the New York of Canada, which is not saying much because we have like an eighth of the population of the States. But... <laughs> But it is like the New York of Canada, and uh, that was my season, my period of time of uh, figuring out what do I really believe when I had Orthodox Jewish friends and Reformed Jewish uh, friends and Atheist Jewish friends, and they all believed that they were more Jewish than me just because I believed in Yeshua. And uh, they, they would ask me in the halls. I had this uh, pendant that I wore, and they'd say, are you Jewish or Christian? You know, pick one or the other. And, you know, just to kind of push a button, I would say yes. <laughs> Which they didn't really like. Um, but that was kind of my experience growing up, just always being the odd man out. Um, ever drive in a car with someone, <clears throat> and uh, you're the passenger, and then they make a hard turn, and then your face meets the windshield, the, the glass, the side. Ever happen that to you? Okay. You ever notice why yours is the only face hitting the glass and not the driver's? Because <laughs> they knew what was coming, right? So this morning, I don't want your face to hit the glass. I want to tell you what's coming. Because the message is a bit somber. And so... Uh, if you know that coming into it, maybe, you know, you can, you know, brace yourself. But 
it's a bit heavy. We're talking about what does it really mean to be a follower of Yeshua? What does it really mean to, to claim that he's your rabbi and you're his disciple? And it, it's, a bit, it's a bit sombering. It's a bit sobering. And so I just want you to know that that's where we're going. But my prayer, my hope for you, because this is the first time I wrote this message. I, I really believe that God put this on my heart for this community. And I think sometimes in, in these kind of spaces, especially, you know, Messianic Judaism, uh, we can be so familiar with things that we actually forget why are we here in the first place. And everyone's on different journeys, and that's okay. So wherever you are in your journey, whether you've been following Yeshua for a really long time, as a Jew, as a Gentile, whether you're kind of on the fence of who Yeshua is, and you know maybe you come from a Jewish background, uh, like many of us do, and you're not quite sure if he really is who he claimed to be, that's okay. You're welcome in this place, right? And it, wherever you are on the journey, it's helpful for us to remind ourselves what he called us to. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Are you okay so far? Okay, so buckle up. Promise, let's, you won't, your face won't hit the, the, the glass. But I find it's very interesting um, just how much society has changed. Now, I'm not like that old to say, back in the Great Depression, you know. Um, but I know that in the last even 30 years, um, the world has changed really differently, drastically. And uh, right now, we live in kind of like the apex of like a consumer-driven culture. Wouldn't you agree? Listen to this uh, portion of this uh, article that I read this week that talks about that we're li living in a time of great consumerism. This is what it says. Under consumerism, our consumption habits define how we understand ourselves, how we affiliate with others, and overall, the extent to which we fit in and are valued by society at large. At its extreme, consumerism reduces consumption to a therapeutic program of con uh, compensation for life's ills. Listen to this. Even a road to personal salvation. So what's this article saying about the culture in which we live? It's saying that we have crafted our very identity, we've crafted our very worth, all on what we can get. Isn't that a little bit scary? <laughs> it's all about what we can get as consumers. It's all about getting the maximum benefit for the lowest cost. And uh, we want as much product for as little price. <laughs> and that's the world we live in. This is the mantra of like consumeristic culture. See, our culture tells us that <clears throat> when you value something, you put up securities around it to protect it, right? I mean, we all know this is to be true. Uh, we have so many different insurances these days, right? We have life insurance and uh, we have homeowner's insurance. We have renter's insurance. You, you could have pet insurance. I don't know what that's about, but I mean, if I lost my parakeet, I would just go get another one. But we have all sorts of insurance, and, and we, have, uh, we have retirement, right? We want low-risk retirement because all we want to do 
is protect our greatest asset, which is us. So we put up the maximum amount of security to protect what's most important to us. So this is the world's equation that sums up consumeristic culture. The value of a life is measured by what is gained. The value of a life is measured by what is gained. And we're going to see in the text that we're going to read that that's not the equation of the kingdom. The equation of the kingdom is the value of a life is not measured by what is gained, but by what is given away. The value equation of the kingdom is the value of a life is measured not by what is gained, but by what is given away. So uh, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 24 to 26. And I love it because actually through the, the Torah reading, through the uh, Brit Chadashah reading, actually this message has already been preached so well, which is always how God likes to do things, right? Uh, so this will sound familiar to uh, especially the New Covenant reading. But Matthew chapter 16 <clears throat> verses 24 to 26, reads this. Then Yeshua said to his disciples, If anyone desires to follow after me, he must deny himself, take up his, what we like to say, execution stake, or you could say cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? but forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Let's pray. Abba, we are not here to hear my words or to hear uh, anything but you. I pray that your ruach would just be in all the hearts of the hearers this morning. That you would apply to our hearts what we need to say, know, and do. I'm not going to change anybody's mind. But God, we're here to meet with you. And I pray that you would anoint my lips to speak your word, anoint our ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us this morning. B'Shem Yeshua. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So just a little bit of background to, uh, to this text. Uh, and actually, it, again, it falls perfectly in line with uh, the Brit Chadashah reading. So if you back up to verse 13, Yeshua asks his disciples one of the most important questions. In fact, one of the most important questions any of us need to answer. And he says, who do the people say I am? And we all know what they say. Well, some Eliyahu, some Yermiahu, some, you know, maybe some other prophet. And then he pointedly asks them. Now remember, he's asking his disciples, the ones who are already following him. And he says, who do you say I am? That was the favorite question when I was serving with Jews for Jesus, and I would talk to Jewish people in the streets all over the world, and I would just ask, well, who do you say Yeshua is? Well, some say a rabbi, some say a maniac, some say a lunatic, but who do you say he is? And that's the most important question. And of course, then we know Peter is enthusiastically, he, he wants to be the first one to answer, and he pipes up, right? And he says, you're the Mashiach. You're the son of the living God. 
this is the first time in the, uh, the Gospels that such a statement was made so expressively. You are the one we've been waiting for. Then Yeshua does something really interesting. He says, let me tell you what, what me, as the Messiah, must do. Say must. I think we do a little better. Say must. Okay, this is really important. He says, okay, you, you say I'm the Mashiach. Let me tell you what the Mashiach is supposed to do, must do. I must go to Jerusalem. I must die. And I must be raised from the dead. Let me ask you a question. If you're a rabbi who you're following told you that, would you think that's great news? Because what's the first thing that's stuck in your head? Die? Suffer? <laughs> Oy vey, no! You know, and so Peter gets this, he thinks it's a righteous indignation, but what we actually tell from the scriptures, it's actually a very selfish, you could say it's actually a satanic indignation, because look at what <clears throat> Peter says to him. In verse 22, Peter took Yeshua, his rabbi, aside, and he said, he began to rebuke him, saying, Never, Master, this must never happen to you. How many of you know, if God says something must happen, and you say never, whoo, that's not good news. And so, what was Peter saying? I'm not going to allow this to happen to you. No, 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 I'm going to protect you. And we read it in the Brit Chadashah reading, right? What did Peter do? They're in the garden. And that this is, time had passed, and he still didn't get it, right? He said, what? Sword, spears? No! Now, he's a fisherman. I don't think he was a very good swordsman, so I think that's why he got the ear, and he, for, he missed the neck, okay? He should have just stuck to fishing in the Sea of Galilee. But Yeshua's response to Peter is telling he takes Peter aside, and he rebukes him. He says, get behind me. He doesn't say Peter. Get behind me, Hasatan. He's speaking to Satan in him. Listen what he says. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. Now, what's really interesting is, if you were to go back a few pages to Matthew chapter 4, Yeshua says the same words to Peter as he did to Satan when he was in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. If you look at the temptations, uh, all of the temptations were geared for one purpose. This is what Satan wanted, his whole goal in tempting Yeshua. He wanted Yeshua to sin. He wanted Yeshua to sin. Idolatry? Just worship me, Right? All of them were about him sinning. Why would Satan want Yeshua to sin? Because if Yeshua sinned, he could not be fit to be the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. Here's, here was Satan's goal. He didn't want him to get to the cross. He didn't want him on the cross. But listen to what Peter is saying. Peter is following the same vein. He didn't want Yeshua on the cross either. So when you start speaking something that Satan's already said and you think it's godly, we gotta watch. <laughs> we gotta watch ourselves. 
So in that moment, Peter <clears throat> didn't realize that the prophets predicted the Messiah must die. This was his whole goal in coming to earth, God becoming a man. So he must die. And Peter also didn't realize that if he was going to follow Yeshua as his rabbi, that he must be willing to die too. Everyone swallow hard. <laughs> That's a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? I told you it's going to be a little somber. But this is what Yeshua is saying to him. What we're talking about this morning is the cost of following our rabbi. We think it's easy. We think we just come to synagogue and we go to the conference and we just we do our lives. And, but Yeshua didn't make it very easy for, for people. He wanted them to know, you want to follow me as your rabbi? Let me tell you what it's going to cost you as my disciple. Yeshua told Peter he was not setting his mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. And so then our text is all about Yeshua helping the disciples to set their minds on the things of God. And it's a perspective shift that I think we need for us today. A perspective shift that is all about understanding the kingdom's values versus the world's values. See, Peter thought that by protecting Yeshua... He would be saving him from death. But Peter didn't realize that the way to life is actually through death. So our text, Matthew 16, here's what we're going to see. Three things. Yeshua says, he wants to be your ultimate desire. And that he wants us to pay the ultimate price to then experience the ultimate life. The ultimate desire, the ultimate price, the ultimate life. First, the ultimate desire. Look at verse 26. He says, if anyone desires to follow after me. Uh, that Greek word desire, what Matthew wrote there, is thelo, and it could mean this. It could mean to be resolved, to be uh, purposed, to be determined. I just think this is like the Jewish mother's everyday life is just fellow. It's, I am purposed for something. You're going outside, it's cold outside, get dressed. You didn't get your vitamins, you know. This is like every Jewish mother. It's fellow. And it could also be translated to take delight in. See, our desires actually come from our heart. Uh, and what's in our heart we end up pursuing. Uh, my sister, she's an amazing young lady. She's been doing marathons for a while now. And if you know anyone who's ever raced in a marathon or any other race, they didn't get there by accident, <laughs> right? They, they didn't get there just by waking up one day and thinking, oh, I feel, feel good today. I'm going to go into a marathon, right? No, no, no. They fellowed. They resolved. They purposed. They desired to be in the race. And that's what Yeshua was talking about. Yeshua actually used this word, or at least Matthew wrote this word, the translation of uh, the Aramaic. In Matthew 23, verse 37, this beautiful passage where Yeshua is looking over Jerusalem. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I fellow, that's the word there, how often I desired 
to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not fellow. You were not desiring me. I desired you. I purposed. I resolved to love you, but you did not desire and purpose to love me. Yeshua gives this wide open invitation. He says, if anyone, aren't you glad Yeshua said anyone? <laughs> aren't you glad he didn't say only the rabbinic scholars can follow me? Only those who are of the aristocrat society could follow me. No, no, he said, if anyone would follow after me. Anyone would come after me. Anyone desires me. What Yeshua is saying is, what you desire, you pursue. And the things you pursue, we pursue because we believe that they're going to fill our deepest needs, don't we? We only pursue things that we think are going to fill us. Every addict knows that. They wouldn't be doing it if they didn't think that there was some thing at the end of the rainbow that was just going to fill them up. And I think all of us do that in some way, right? If you desire most is acceptance, you're going to pursue people in the hopes that you're going to spend your whole life trying to please people so that they will like you. That's your acceptance. That's what you're desiring. That's what you're pursuing. If you're... What you desire most is significance. You're going to pursue titles and experiences with the hopes that people will tell you how important you are. If you desire success most in life, then you're going to spend your life trying to climb the corporate ladder, uh, trying to get defined by your achievements. And all of us know, if we stop to think about it, that all those things will leave us empty, right? What you desire, you will pursue, and what you pursue will either leave you satisfied or it will leave you wanting for more. Whether it's a late-night snack that you then get a headache from all that sugar, and you're like, why did I do that? Why did I do that? <laughs> or whether it's just another plate at the all-you-can-eat sushi bar, okay, I'll, I'll admit to that one. I'm like, I don't care. I, just one more California roll, please. <laughs> but it leaves us, maybe not feeling empty, <laughs> but it leaves us feeling uh, not desired, not full, not satisfied deep inside. And so what Yeshua is saying is, if you want to follow me, if you want to chase after me, if you desire me as your rabbi, see, if means there's, it's not automatic, Right? I meet so many people at the congregation that I work with, and I say, how long have you been following Yeshua? You know what their answer is? All my life. Hmm. No, I don't think anyone's been born following Yeshua, because Yeshua said, if. Which means it's not an assumption. It's a decision. It's not an assumption that we're part of the Messianic community, and of course we're following Yeshua. Uh, and so it's by invitation He's saying that if you follow me, what he's implying is it's worth it. I'm worth it. If you follow me, you will be satisfied in the deepest of your soul. He's worth the pursuit. In John 
chapter 6, 35, Yeshua told his disciples, I love this passage. He says, I am the bread of life. We might say he's the best New York bagel of life. Okay. Uh, I mean, I like New York bagels. He says, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. What? Never? He who believes in me will never thirst. You see, Yeshua is tapping into desire and pursuit. Do you hear the language? What you desire, you will pursue. And if you pursue something, it will leave you wanting more or it will leave you satisfied. And Yeshua is saying, only I will leave you satisfied. Because we were made by him and we were made for him, everything else that we chase after in life will leave us empty except for him. Do you believe that this morning? Acceptance, significance, success, all of that is going to leave you you wanting. So the question I have to ask you this morning is what or who is your desire? What are you chasing after? Sometimes in the body of believers, we're guilty of chasing after experiences. Sometimes we're guilty of chasing after doctrine. We can chase after and desire so many good things, but if we make it our ultimate desire, it becomes an idol. What are you desiring? Is Yeshua your greatest desire? And is he what you are pursuing? Yeshua said, I want to be your greatest desire, your ultimate desire. And if I'm your ultimate desire, you need to pay the ultimate price. Look what he says, verse 24. If anyone desires to follow after me, he must, take, he must deny himself and take up his cross. Yeshua said a lot in the Gospels about the price of following him. He's talking about the ultimate price of following him. In Matthew 24, 13, he says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Following Yeshua is a lifelong journey. What's the price? Perseverance. John 15, 20, he says, if they persecute in me, they'll persecute you also. Following Yeshua means trials. Uh, the price? Persecution. Luke 14, 25 through 27, Yeshua said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, his mother, his wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot. Hear these words. He cannot be my disciple. Following Yeshua means your love for your family and for those closest to you must pale in comparison to your love for him. The price, the potential rejection of your family. I told you I grew up in a Messianic home, and my mom was the first person in our Jewish family to believe in Yeshua. My mom was born in Budapest, and both of her parents were Holocaust survivors from Hungary. And um, they weren't very religious. You know, they didn't believe in God before or after the Holocaust. But, you know, they were Jewish enough to know, we don't believe in that guy. And when my mom came to believe that Yeshua is our Messiah, her father dropped it. He didn't talk to her. And I know there's some of you in this room who have experienced that. You know 
that there's a cost to following Yeshua. That if your family says no and Yeshua says yes, there's a dilemma. But the question is, are you willing to pay the ultimate price? And most, a lot of our Jewish people, honestly, who actually do believe Yeshua, they say no to him because they're saying yes to their family. That's the thing that's holding them back. And all the Jewish people that I've talked to and shared Yeshua with, that's been the one thing that will hold them back. But what about my family? We know that all too well in our community. What about my family? They're going to reject me. <clears throat> they could. And Yeshua knew it. I mean, he told his disciples, by the way, there's a time coming. They're going to kick you out of the synagogues on account of me. They're going to think they're doing a good mitzvah, a good deed, by kicking you out of their synagogue on account of me. But what he's saying is, I'm worth it. I'm worth it. So the ultimate cost of following Yeshua is obedience at all costs. <laughs> and again, that's a little hard to hear, isn't it? Because we like our convenience. We like, uh, we like living in a consumeristic society. We love just all the gain. But Yeshua says there's a cost. What is Yeshua saying when he tells us, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me? He's saying he's asking for total surrender. Total surrender. He's asking that we hold nothing back. And I can't think, help but think of uh, the story of Saul and Samuel. You know the story, right? Samuel tells Saul, hey, go kill all the Amalekites. Do it all as an offering to the Lord. That's the terminology in, in Hebrew. It's, it's devotion. It was a, de uh, a holy offering to God to destroy the enemy. And um, here's what the text says. Paul, uh, in verse 9 of 1 Samuel 15, it says, But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatted calves and the lambs. All that was good. And he would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, he devoted to destruction. Okay, so let me ask you the question. Who got the better sacrifice, Saul or God? Let's ask a harder question. Who was really worshipped, Saul or God? See, because he thought the best should be safe for him. Eh, and what's not so good, let's give that as an offering to God. But friends, don't we do the same thing? Don't we take the best of our lives, the things, the areas of our life that's most valuable to us, and we say, God, you can have all of me except, and you just fill in the blank. You can take all of me, just don't take my finances, God. Don't take my Roth IRA. <laughs> you can have all of me, but don't take my job. You can tell me everything to do, but just don't tell me to go sacrifice that. Don't tell me to sell the house and move somewhere else. I'll go anywhere else but not there. I'll love anyone else but not him or her. You see, we do that all the time in little decisions, don't we? We say, you can have this part, but the part that matters most to me, I'll just keep that to myself. God is asking us, will you surrender 
all of your life for the sake of me. And what we're doing is, when we hold back areas of our life, areas of our heart that we don't want him to have, what we're saying is, you're not worthy of it all. You're not worthy of it all, God, because I want to be in control of this area. I'm guilty of this all the time. And so we try to save our life. You see, God's kingdom works the exact opposite as the kingdom of our world, right? Life is gained not by protecting your life, but by risking it. The kingdom says we save, but not we, we, we don't save what we sacrifice. The equation of the kingdom is the opposite of the equation of our culture. The equation of our culture says the value of a life is measured by what is gained. The equation of the kingdom says this. The value of a life is not measured by what is gained, but by what is given away. And friends, Yeshua gave it all away. Yeah. Didn't he? He didn't hold himself back at all. He paid the ultimate price, his life, for the ultimate offense, our sin, with the ultimate motive, his love, for the ultimate reason, you. Because Yeshua gave his whole life because he thought you were worth it. Anytime you have a bad day where you may be self-deprecating and you're just kind of beating yourself up and you're the worst critic of your own life, just remember this. Yeshua gave his whole life because he thought you were worth it. He thought you were worth having a life, but he had to give up his so that you could have his. Yeshua picked up his whole life. He put his whole life on the line. He didn't just sacrifice a limb. That would be a little silly. Like, hey, guys, uh, soldiers, just take the legs, not the rest of me. Now, I know it sounds a little sacrilegious, but, but think about it. Yeshua didn't spare any part of his body. He gave his whole self to death so that you could have your whole self to life through and in him. Amen? Amen. And he's asking for total surrender because, friends, he's saying he is worth it. He thought you were worth it to give up his life. And he's saying, you want to follow me? Give up your whole life, because I'm worth it. You see, the must, the, the total cost, ultimate cost of following Yeshua is total surrender. And if we claim ourselves as followers of Yeshua, whether you're Jewish or Gentile, if you claim that he's your master, he's your rabbi, he's your melech, he's your king that you're following, then we must take what he says about surrender really seriously. See, the must of the rabbi is connected to the must of the disciple. He told Peter and his disciples, I must go to Jerusalem. I must die and on one hand. And then he tells his disciples, you must be willing to do the same. See, he wouldn't ask us to do anything that he didn't do himself. There's this uh, legal document. Maybe some of you have written one or been involved with one. It's called a quit claim, a quit claim deed, right? And it's used when you sign over all the rights uh, to a property or possession that you once had share in. And when you sign the quit claim deed, you're giving up whatever claim you once had 
and you're surrendering your rights. Yeshua is saying, the ultimate price of following me is signing the quit claim deed. You want to follow me? You sign it, and you sign away your life. You give me all the rights to your life. See, Yeshua's not asking for a 50-50 partnership. <laughs> but sometimes we kind of negotiate, right? We just can't get that out of our Jewish genes, that negotiation thing. Okay, fine. I'll take this. You take that. All right, fine. You want three quarters? Okay, fine. No, no, no. He wants 100% ownership of your life. And when you followed him, when you say, yeah, I'll follow Yeshua, that's what you signed up for, friends. Whether you realized it or not, you signed away your life to a master who would run it much better than you. So the ultimate cost is not really much of a price when you realize that he's your ultimate desire. And then in closing, he gives you the ultimate life. The ultimate life is a life following the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of glory. He is our life, right? If Yeshua is our rabbi, there's no place he went that we wouldn't go. There's nothing that he did that we wouldn't do. His attitude becomes our attitude, Philippians says. Uh, his mindset becomes our mindset. His love is our love. His way of life is our way of life because he's our rabbi. Yeshua is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the bread of life. He's the water of life. He's the light of life. Yeshua is the gate that leads to life. He will give you a crown of life. He's the one who writes your name in the book of life. This is the life found only in Yeshua. And the ultimate life of following, you find your life in Him. Isn't He worth it? Isn't it worth the price to be paid? I think it's so interesting that at the end, if we follow, fast forward Peter's life, we see in Acts chapter 4, he's preaching, he's talking about the resurrected Yeshua, and he gets thrown in prison. Now remember, Peter was scared, and he, didn't, he was scared of death, but in Acts chapter 4, it says that the Jewish leaders looked at Peter, and they noticed something about him. He was an un, unschooled, ordinary man, but this is the characteristic they saw. They noticed he had been with Yeshua. That's what life is about, friends. It's just being with him. He gave his whole life to be with you. And so what does it mean to follow him as our rabbi? We live our whole life with him. That's the mark of a disciple. That's the mark of someone who follows Yeshua. He was with him. He looks like him. He acts like him. He talks like him. Do your coworkers? Say that about you? Your family members who don't know Yeshua, do they look at your life and say, she's been with him? Hmm. We're all guilty of not acting like him because we don't spend time with him. But that's, that's the invitation he's asking us. And as I close, I just want to ask you this question. See, we either have two choices, save or surrender. Save or surrender. You're going to either work your whole life to save it, and you're going to lose it, or you're going to surrender your life today, or maybe it was 20 years ago, but every day surrender it, and you're going to find it. 
So what's your choice going to be? Save or surrender? Because the value of a life is not measured by how much is gained, but by how much is given away. Would you just close your eyes with me as we pray? Some of you might be thinking, well, I, I don't really know how to surrender this area of my life that's really important to me that I haven't yet given to God. Here's what Yeshua told his disciples. You have to die daily. You have to be willing to die daily. Are you willing to give up what's most important to you to the one who you've said is most important? And I want you just to take just a minute of silence, just a few moments to reflect and ask God, is there something in my life that I have not surrendered to you? Just let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I, how do I follow someone I don't recognize his voice? And maybe you've never actually surrendered your life to Yeshua. He's inviting you today. He's worth it. He's worth it. So Avinu Makenu, our Father, our King, we thank you for your great, amazing love for us. Even as the, the hymn writer said, love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. Yeshua, you, you gave up your life so that we could have your life. But the way to your life is through the death to our selfishness, the death to our pride, the death to our sin. And may your spirit help us be willing to give you everything, to fully surrender your life because we can experience your eternal life right here and now. We don't have to wait. Help us to follow you through your empowered grace, through your Holy Spirit. Help us to follow you so that the world may look at us and say, they've been with him. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you for that message. Please stand for the Alenu.